Well, happy first Sunday of spring. Oh, it has been a long winter, but hope is right around the corner. Am I right? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So thankful for that. Um, So uh, Easter is right around the corner as well, just a couple weeks away. That's a pretty big deal. And let me start off this morning by sharing with you uh, a picture of my family from when I was a kid, all in our Easter best, okay? Uh, Some of you are going to remember being able to take pictures at department stores. And uh, this is one of those moments for for me and my family growing up. See if I can have it. Oh, there it is. Look at that. There is uh, my dad on his lap. He's holding a baby doll. Actually... (laughs) That's my sister. She's still the cutest one in the family. So there we go. Uh, That is me in pure polyester from head to toe. Uh, I still am itching just thinking about that. You will also notice there is a difference uh, in hair quantity. And uh, so I would just say to all you kids listening out there right now, Cherish every moment you have with that hair. Please, please take advantage of it. I am sitting on uh, my mom's lap. And uh, my mom, throughout the course of my life, was really my biggest fan. That's how I would describe her. Uh, I remember one instance when I was in seventh grade, those glorious years, right? Uh, There was a speech competition at our school and every seventh grader had to write a speech and then deliver this speech. And if you were chosen, you would get to perform at the Optimist Club uh, and with other seventh graders from around the area and the winner then would go on for a regional thing and and then a state thing and on and on, right? Well, I hated giving speeches. I just loathed it. Uh, But lo and behold, whose speech was picked out of seventh grade? Mine. And so I was chosen to go to this banquet, and my mom accompanied me to this banquet, and I delivered the first speech of my life. And as I was delivering this speech, there, you know, I was like, I didn't go too bad. Boy, I hope I don't win. The ultimate pessimist at the optimist club, okay? So I'm like, I hope, please, Lord, don't let me win this thing. I do not want to give this speech again. And, uh, and the judges confer at the end, and they come back, and they start with, like, fifth place. And they say, fifth place winner is this kid. And fourth place winner is this kid. And third place winner is this kid. And I'm like, oh, Lord, no, Lord, no, do not let me win this. I don't think I botched up too bad, but, but please don't let me win this. And they said, and second place winner is John Amayo. I don't think they got my name right. No one ever gets my name right. But they said, John Amayo. And, and uh, I was like, I literally let out a in front of everybody. I was like, oh, yes. I was so thankful. Actually, I, I have the medal in my pocket here. Uh, here it is. Optimist Club. That's right. Second place. Yeah. Yeah. I found this in a basement, literally next to my Return of the Jedi wallet. It was buried in a... It was buried down there. Yeah. And in that moment, my mom 
just let out this huge laugh that just looks like my mom's trademark, this huge laugh. And I went up, I got my award, I came back to the table, she gave me a hug, like basically I'd won an Academy Award. And uh, I was happy, she was happy. I learned that day that uh, I can do hard things. I learned that day. And I learned that day that my mom was proud of me no matter what my performance was. Um, those are some of the lessons that I took out of that. Well, this year, this past year, uh, my mom was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and dementia. She's been battling it for over a year. Uh, and in mid-December, my mom, my biggest fan, uh, came down with COVID. And during that time, uh, she was very frail, and my mom passed away from COVID in mid-December. Uh, it was one of the most difficult experiences that I've walked through uh, because I just didn't lose my mom. I lost my biggest fan in life. And I'm not the only one here that's lost things, people during this season. I imagine each person in this room, each person online right now has lost things during this season. For some of us, it is those people that have been closest to us. For some of us, it's just the distance between relationships that, that was never there before and now is. For some of us, we've lost ceremonies in our lives like weddings or graduations. The list goes on and on and on. I don't even need to recount everything because you all probably, as I'm saying that right now, feel that right now, the sense of loss over this year. Well, thankfully, the Bible is not silent about loss. God isn't silent about it. And he cares deeply about our loss. And we're going to finish up our story today about the life of Jacob with Jacob's realization about loss in his life. Because over the course of Jacob's life, we can see this. Jacob was driven by his dreams, but he actually learned from his losses. Well, what do I mean by that? If you think back on this whole series, Rob has done an excellent job of talking us through some of those dreams that Jacob was driven by in his life. Some of them were literal dreams. Remember that time he's laying down in the middle of the wilderness, he's got his head on a rock and, all, and, and he's dreaming and angels are coming down from heaven one way or the other. And, and my goodness, can you imagine that experience of having that dream and what that did to him just driving him forward in life? Some of his dreams were metaphorical, like seeing this woman that he was like, I gotta marry that woman right there. I'm willing to work 14 years for this woman if I have to. And over and over again, Jacob is driven by his dreams. And slowly but surely, though, those dreams, that drivenness, it, it never pans out the way that Jacob thinks it's going to pan out. As a matter of fact, he hits one obstacle after another, after another in his life. And in a moment, 
since the last week we learned about Jacob getting a new name, right? That's what we talked about last week. But in the time from that point at which he gets a new name, all the way up until the story we're looking at today, Jacob encounters resistance and pain. First of all, he loses his wife. The very woman that he worked, that he loved more than anything on this planet, that he worked 14 years to marry, he lost her. Then he loses his dad. The guy that gives blessing to him, he loses him right after that. And then Jacob has one person in his life that is the most cherished person. All of his hopes, all of his dreams, everything in his life comes down to this one person. It's not one of his firstborn sons, but it is one of his sons. And it was the son of someone, the wife that he really loved. And that guy's name was Joseph. And so Jacob, in typical Jacob fashion, right, He says, I'm going to show everybody how much I love Joseph and how all of my hopes and dreams are on Joseph right now. So I'm going to give him this beautiful coat. And he gives Joseph this coat as a symbol that this is the one that I'm blessing outwardly, right? And he says, this is my chosen son. All my dreams are in this kid right here. Well, Joseph has some dreams too. And in his dreams, Joseph's brothers are bowing down to him. And now, Joseph didn't know a lot about sibling rivalry at the time and wasn't the smartest cookie in the shed. And so he, or I don't know, cookie in the shed. Are there cookies in the shed? I don't even know how that works. (laughs) Cookie in the drawer? I don't know. In the cabinet? Whatever, whatever. He wasn't a smart cookie, okay? And, And he said to his brothers, hey, guess what? I had this dream and you were all bowing down to me in this dream. And his brothers, believe it or not, didn't take too kindly to that. So they decide, let's throw him into a pit. So they throw him into a pit. And they said, you know what? Rather than just leave him in the pit, why don't we make some money off of this deal? So they sell him into slavery. So they think, perfect, we got some moolah, but how are we going to explain this to dad? And so they say, you know what we're going to do? We'll say he was attacked by a wild animal out in the wilderness, and we'll put blood all on his coat, and then we'll just tell dad that's what happened, right? So they do. That's what they do. And then they get Joseph's coat. They bring it back to Jacob, and they say, dad, I'm so sorry, but your son's dead. And in that moment, all of Jacob's hopes, all of Jacob's dreams, everything is gone, crushed. He's lost it all. And he goes into a downward spiral for 20 years. He's mourning. Meanwhile, while he's mourning, Joseph is getting to be the second in command in all of Egypt. And... He's got this whole thing working over here. God's still at work, even in the midst of Jacob's mourning. And Joseph is second in command. And and eventually a famine comes on the land and his brothers have to go to Egypt to beg for food. They end up in front of Joseph and and they're begging for food. They don't realize it's him. He realizes it's them. This dramatic scene, he says to them, you meant it for evil, but God meant this for good. Bring dad to me. 
And Jacob goes to Joseph in his, the final moments of his life. This is the scene that we pick up. Now Joseph is bringing his kids to Jacob for him to bless. And part of this symbolism here, the culture of the time, this is kind of a confusing story if you don't get it. The culture of the time is in order to bless, you would bless with your right hand. Your other hand could give blessing, but the bigger blessing was coming out of your right hand. And the older son always got the blessing, and the younger son got kind of the leftover blessing. Well, here's how Jacob approaches this scene at the end of his life. Genesis 48, 8 to 20. When Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, who are these? They're the sons that God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel said, bring them to me so that I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him and his father kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again. And now God has allowed me to see your children too. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down with his face to the ground. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh on his left toward Israel's right hand and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head, though he was younger. And crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walk faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who's delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. When Joseph saw that his father was placing his right hand on Ephraim's head, he was displeased. So he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to him, No, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son. I know. He too will become a people, and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he, and his descendants will become a group of nations. He blessed them that day and said, In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. There are some plays in the NFL that are so iconic that they only go by one name. One of them, the Immaculate Reception, right? Or there's The Catch. Or for all of us Bills fans, you have the Music City Miracle, right? There's these iconic plays that only go by one name. If I had to name this iconic scene from the Bible, I would name it this, the backwards blessing. It's so controversial that it doesn't make any sense. There is a backwards blessing to the way of God. And what we learn from this passage is just like Jacob We are driven by our dreams, but we learn from our losses. Let me break this down for us together. 
this morning. When you're looking at a passage like this, you have to look at the key words from that passage. And one of the words that stands out over and over again in this passage is bless. Bless. If I took a survey of our congregation here and at home today, and I said, define for me in one word what bless was. A lot of us might say material blessings, right? What a blessing that is. Uh, some of us might say happiness, right? Because those are things that in our society we value as blessings. We really highly value those things. In the biblical culture, though, blessing wasn't about those things. It was about honor. It was about other people of esteem saying you are a person of esteem. You see, you can't get honor on your own. You can't say, I am an honorable person. Someone outside of you has to do that for you. It's kind of like this. Imagine uh, I had an Oscar up in front of me right now. All right, I think there might be one on the screen. There it is, see, an Oscar. Now, now let's just imagine I said to you all, I created this Oscar in my home. It's a beautiful Oscar. It's my prized possession. I have given this Oscar to myself because I think I'm a wonderful person and deserve it. You all would probably say that is a crazy bald man right there for doing that. There's a bald man. There's a bald man. That's the only similarity between the two. So that is, that's the idea here with honor. Someone outside of yourself has to give you honor. And in this section of scripture, that's what's happening. There's this backwards honor. God isn't honoring, the, Jacob isn't honoring what the world says he should honor. And that is confusing in this passage. But in order to understand that even further, we have to look at the second word in this passage that stands out. And that's this, Israel. Because Jacob isn't called Jacob anymore. He's called Israel. But here's the important thing to learn, because if you were with us last week and you heard Sherwin do a wonderful job of explaining how Jacob got the name of Israel, what happened is he wrestled with God, got this name, but then the rest of Genesis up until this point, guess what? He still called Jacob. He's still referred to as Jacob. Until you get to the very end of his life, and I think this is the clue for interpreting this passage, it's saying, I want you to see the change in his life right here. He finally gets it. He finally gets that God doesn't bless the way that the world blesses. God doesn't honor what the world honors. There's a backwards blessing in the way of God. You see, Jacob's story, like our story, he was driven by his dreams. He learned from his losses. When I think about what does our world value right now, the world that we live in, I think of things like fame, how many people are following you on social media, right? Or views on YouTube, or do you have a check next to your name on Twitter? Things like that. I think of wealth. You know, we, we watch Shark Tank, and wouldn't it be great to 
be like a shark on Shark Tank. You know, those are the people that we esteem really highly. Achievement. What could I, what school did I go to? What job do you have? Why is one of the first questions we ask as a society after how you doing when we meet somebody, what do you do? We want to know what category we can put you in, what box, what have you achieved with your life? But God doesn't operate in the way that we operate. God's system is different than our system. Instead of fame, he values faithfulness. Instead of wealth, he values brokenness. Instead of achievement, he values humility. There's a backwards way in the blessings of God. And Jesus expounds on this even further when Jesus talks in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, do you want to know what the real way to live a blessed life from God? A, a life in which you are looked at and God is saying, way to go. This is it. Let me read it for you. Matthew 5, 3 through 12. Jesus says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I wonder here this morning if there are people who are just feeling broken. Whether it's here, whether it's watching in, the, in your home. You're feeling broken right now. I wonder if there are people here this morning that are feeling like they're in the midst of grief in your mourning and you don't know if anybody sees you. I wonder if there's people who are hungering and thirsting for justice to be done but they feel like they're the only ones in their life. I wonder if there's people who want mercy to show mercy toward others and want to experience mercy in their life. I wonder if there are people who are trying to be peacemakers within their group of influence and they feel like, does anybody know what I'm doing? I wonder if there's people who are being persecuted because you're following Jesus, you're paying the price. And you say, does God even know? Does God even care? Jesus says, yes, he knows. Yes, he cares. Yes, you are blessed. The world may not bless that, but God blesses that life. So, in the midst of all of this, I think about my own life. We you know, have this opportunity to be driven by our dreams and learn from our losses. My life, my dreams going into this year 
uh, were not the way that they planned out, panned out. I did not dream that I would be spending most of my hours on Zoom. That was not on the top of my list. My dreams, you know, I had all sorts of other dreams uh, for my professional life, for my personal life. That wasn't on them. I never dreamed that I would lose my mom in the way that I did. I didn't dream that I would be there during the last three days of her life as she was gasping for air with every breath that she was breathing. I didn't know if I could walk through that. Here's the last picture that my sister and I took with my mom. And it's just us holding her hand. This was not my dream for the year. But God taught me through my loss. He taught me that I can do hard things, just like my mom taught me before. And as I walk through this season again, I learned that my mom might not be there with me, but God is there with me all the time. Even in the midst of my darkest hours, he's there. And I wonder for you, what dreams were you dreaming before the events of this last year? And I wonder for you, what losses have you endured? It's okay to bring those to God. I'll say this to you, the pain does not go away right away. I'm still experiencing, I was thinking of this yesterday as I was even preparing this message and I started to cry because I was missing my mom. Um, but God is still with us in the midst of it. You can admit your loss to God. And I wonder what lessons God may have for you in the midst of your loss. I'd love to end by praying for you. See, my, my mom wasn't just a big fan of me. Other people viewed her as a fan of them as well. And they'd often go to her and ask her to pray for them. And here's a prayer that she inevitably came down to praying for people during the last years of her life. Often, if she didn't know what to pray, she would turn to this prayer in numbers that I want to pray for you this morning as a way to honor my mom, as a way for me to remember her, as a way for me to say, this loss is real in my life, but God has taken this opportunity to become even more real. So here's my prayer to you. And if you'd like me to speak this word of blessing over you, you can just reach your hands out, whether it's in your seat here or in your seat at home. 
Lord, I thank you for each person that's here. You know the amount of loss that each person has experienced in our lives over the course of this year. You know the deep pain that we carry around with us, but Lord, you care for us even in the midst of our pain. And so, Lord, I pray right now the prayer that you have given us in the Bible. Lord, this is a prayer of blessing that I pray for each person here and watching right now. Lord, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.